Will the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning in worship, though scattered, you have gathered us by the very power of your Spirit to receive from you the rich blessings in the Word, as well as in this table of grace and belonging. And so as we sing our hosannas, our uh, songs of praise, uh, we continue to pray uh, that by the same Spirit which draws us unto you, would give us a, a perspective of this week for Jesus, uh, what it meant for him, uh, what he did for us, what it means for us, and uh, what it calls us to now in our life of faith. And so we pray, Lord, uh, that you would bless it, not for our sake, but so that we might be a blessing to others. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, in his name. Amen. All right. Well, we continue our service now on page four with the response of Psalm, Psalm 118, and I invite you to join me in the reading of that. The psalmist writes, Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and you have become my salvation. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning comes to us from the prophet Zechariah, the ninth chapter, the coming king of Zion. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow, bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will, store, re, will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I worship you with all that I have. you with all of my strength with everything let it be a sweet aroma to you as I sing this song with the breath you gave me I cry 
Continue now with our reading of the gospel on page five uh, and six of the worship packet. Uh, this is from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 43. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. 
He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, these difficult words of Jesus come on the heels to us and to the crowd. Come on the heels of that triumphal procession. Probably hit the hearers like a, a smack across the face or uh, like running up against an invisible brick wall. <laughs> How can he say these things when, when we've welcomed him into our midst as, as the Messiah? Yes, Lord, how can he say these things? Lord, may we, like Jesus, have the same trust and faith in you to say these things, to believe these things, to persevere in the face of trial and suffering, not for our sake, but for the sake of your glory and for the good of others. So we pray for understanding and perspective on this week of Jesus as we begin uh, with uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, what not only this triumphal procession meant, but even more so these words that probably caused everyone who was listening um, to ask, what on earth and in heaven does he mean? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, I am grateful for a few extra uh, folks today uh, with, uh, in worship with us um, so I have an opportunity uh, to look at more than just the camera, um, but also the faces of the children of God. Uh, but today is Palm Sunday, and I know I am telling you something you don't already know. Uh, but Palm Sunday, a day when we often focus on the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. Hence the waving of the palm branches and the hosannas uh, that uh, come forth uh, from our lungs and uh, from our mouth. Now, historically, I love to approach a Holy Week uh, this way, and I've often done so in my ministry because it's like a victory lap. I mean, albeit premature, right? It's like stepping up on, uh, on top of the podium and the place of the gold medal winner even before the competition has taken place. Um, but everyone loves a parade, and why not? But as I said, premature, right? Premature. Uh, 
Because even though the people in Jesus' day didn't know what was coming, we do. And it ends up raining on our parade because of this. So today I want to do something different, right? And why not? (laughs) It has been a different year, if you will. There's been a different 18 months. Life is different right now, and it feels crazier than normal. So I think I can mix it up a bit for myself. I don't have to continue the same pattern of behavior on Palm Sunday that I have over the last almost 20 years. (laughs) But not too much. Not too much, right? We've had quite a bit of change, so I'll keep us close to Jesus, the anchor in our storm, because it is he who sustains us and holds fast to us, even in the most uncertain and craziest of times. And so then Jesus is going to help us by being the bridge to today's two texts that I have for us. Uh, The first one is the one from today's uh, devotion in our series, Return to the Lord. If you've joined us over these last Sundays in Lent, uh, you know that I have been referring to this devotional series that we've been going through as a congregation uh, with our daily prayer life. Uh, And I want to do that again for this Palm Sunday. And then the second textual reference I'll have for us this morning is the gospel text from John 12, uh, John 12, just a few verses. Uh, I know it was a long reading. Um, But I only have a few verses from there for this morning. So um, if you don't have access to the devotion or haven't read it this morning, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the text. And it's from James chapter five, verses five through seven or chapter five, verses seven through twelve. So let me read uh, those five verses and then uh, we'll move on with that. All right. So James writes this. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, uh, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, this is verse 10. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. All right, let's start here before we go to John chapter 12, which is printed in your service folder, pages five and six. But let's start with this. It's been rightly said that if someone is impatient, they should not be a farmer. (laughs) Think about that. Why? Well, no crop appears overnight, correct? Well, except for weeds, right? You know, weeds spring up overnight. But no crop appears overnight and no farmer can control the weather, right? Too much rain and too much sun actually will kill. A late frost can destroy what has been planted. How long-suffering and patient the farmer is with the weather, right? But it's more than that, right? For the farmer has to be patient with the seed and the crop because it takes time for plants to grow. And why wait? Well, it's worth the wait, is it not? Because at the end of the wait, there is the fruit, the root vegetables, the leafy greens. The text tells us uh, that what the farmer waits upon is not just a crop, but a valuable crop. Food is life. So 
what James does in our text is take a couple of well-known illustrations and use them for our instruction. He uses the physical suffering people experience, and he uses the idea of farming and harvesting. He connects the two to make a point. He makes you and me spiritual farmers, all right? Think about it that way. He makes you and me spiritual farmers looking for a spiritual harvest. So for example, Luke chapter eight, verse 11, uh, Luke tells us that our hearts are the soil and the seed is the word of God. And the promise of the word of God to the people of God is that the word of God brings forth fruit in the life of the people of God. So there are seasons then in the spiritual life, just as there are seasons for the weather and the soil. I mean, sometimes we uh, as individuals or even as congregations find ourselves in a winter scenario, all right? Our hearts are cold and the Lord has to plow them up as the prophet Jeremiah says, before the seed can be planted. And at the same time, he sends the sunshine and he sends the rain uh, of his goodness to water and nurture the seeds that have been planted. It reminds me of the Apostle Paul's admonitions uh, to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, uh, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In fact, that was the theme verse for our capital campaign that we ran a few years ago. And brothers and sisters, we are getting closer and closer uh, to reaping that harvest, that fruit uh, from that campaign uh, with the completion of our renovation. It's almost in reach. (laughs) But before we get to John's gospel and Jesus, here's the principle at work uh, to keep in mind uh, when the going is tough, all right? Because we're going to see things get tough for Jesus, right? I mean, this is what Holy Week is all about, this, this mistaken identity of triumphal procession leading to something uh, less than uh, a, a kingly position, if you will, uh, or, or Jesus grabbing authority and power for himself. But here's the principle. God is producing a harvest in our lives, right? He wants the fruit of the Spirit to grow up out of us as his people. And here, here's the kick, if you will. The way it happens is through trials and troubles. (laughs) The way it happens is through trials and troubles. Instead of growing impatient with God, right, and maybe even ourselves, we are challenged to be farmers, right, spiritual farmers, if you will, trusting and waiting on God, if not the weather, right? I know, and that's difficult, right? It's difficult to take up that position and posture because we live in a world which sees all suffering as evil, all trials as something to be gotten rid of as quickly as possible. And when Christians talk about uh, learning to trust God and grow in times of faith and suffering, we are mocked for it. But the reality is that great things are learned during difficult times. You see, trials and suffering, if approached in Christ and by the very power of the Holy Spirit, produce fruit. For example, have you ever had the opportunity uh, to sit down and talk with a mature Christian uh, who has learned, suffered much, and learned much from his or her experience? They've grown so much then uh, that they've become an incredible witness for the Lord and their testimony. I have an uncle, my dad's brother, who contracted polio in the 1950s, uh, and it decimated his body. Yet he came to faith in Christ, and his testimony is amazing. Racked with severe pain, uh, even in his later years, he is still an incredible witness for Christ. 
Do you know someone like that? Perhaps it's even yourself. God has called you to, uh, to witness like, uh, like, like my uncle or someone else. Or perhaps you hear the testimony of a Christian who has survived extreme economic hardship or a brother and sister in Christ who has, who has immigrated to the U.S. from a, uh, from a nation torn by, by civil war or they've experienced religious persecution. Or maybe it's someone who has weathered cancer uh, and her testimony has become an encouragement to others. I mean, this list goes on and on of situations that Christians find themselves in, situations that are no different from non-Christians. But we have a story to tell others, a story to tell others about Jesus and how he has sustained us uh, in our pain, in our trial, in our suffering, and perhaps in our grief. You see, our goal is to have the Lord use our experience to grow us as a follower of Jesus and to bless someone else with what we have learned from God as God has worked in our trials and suffering how he himself has showed up in the midst of our lives uh, when we ourselves felt we were unable to be present, right? It doesn't make light of our misery. It doesn't make light of our pain that we felt because that's very real, but it does bring it into perspective. And that's Palm Sunday, right? That's the crowds. That's you and me. Uh, with one hand raised in Hosanna with the palm branches, um, and yet it's difficult for us to raise the other hand in praise because we know what's coming with the rest of the week. So if you think of Jesus, so if you think of Jesus, and keep in mind the importance of perseverance and suffering, because brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't call us to anything that he himself has not already endured for us. And in particular to the text, listen to this from verse 24 of the gospel reading. Verse 24 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Again, here's that seed planting and fruit bearing illustration that we find in scripture. So in our text, Jesus uses this illustration of the seed being planted. Uh, the dying of the grain is an, is an illustration. It's a wordplay, right? Because when you bury a seed in the ground, it's like, if you will, burying a dead body, right? Except for the seed comes to life. It produces fruit. And so connecting it to Jesus, once buried after his crucifixion, right? He'll rise again to produce fruit, right? He'll rise again to produce that resurrected life for all believers, all his followers. So think about it this way. There is both beauty and bounty when a seed dies and fulfills its purpose. Now, if seeds could talk, I bet a seed would tell us, it or it would complain about being stuck, right, into that cold, dark earth, right? But being planted, being buried is the only way that it can achieve its goal. Being planted is the only way it can do what it was made to do. You see, one of John's major themes is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, right? That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus gave his life for the world and that he gives his life to the world. Jesus calls not only the Jews to repentance and faith, but also the Gentiles. And that's an invitation to us all, to anyone who is weary in need of rest. And as great as it was for Jesus to do great things among the people, as good as it is for you and me to continue to produce good works uh, in keeping with our faith, Jesus' point about the seed is that he cannot complete 
He cannot finish what he was sent to do unless he is buried, unless there is suffering, unless there is death. There is no victory without first surrendering. That sounds incredibly muddle-headed, doesn't it, right? That's backwards, isn't it? But that's Jesus, and that's the way that God is operating in the midst of us. No victory without first surrendering. But listen to a similar theme in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. Peter writes this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The theme of dying and rising. The theme of burial and resurrection. The theme of planting and bearing fruit. You see, in the same way, this is us, that we are those seeds. Think of Paul's words from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him, who's him? Jesus, right? By baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Buried. Buried to be raised. And why are we raised? We're raised to live a new life. It's a process, right? One, two, three. Buried, raised, and raised to bear fruit, a new life. Okay, in comparison to God, <laughs> we're small and insignificant. Like what? Like a seed, right? But seeds have life in them. And brothers and sisters, we have life in us, God's life. We have, we have his forgiveness and his mercy and his power, but that life within us, whether as an individual or as a congregation, cannot be fulfilled unless we allow ourselves to be planted by him, unless we allow ourselves to, to yield to him in order that our lives produce a yield for him. And part of that yield production is seeing trials and suffering as not something to be rid of as quick, quickly as possible, but something that the Lord can use for our good and his glory. Now, again, please don't misunderstand me. Trials and suffering are meant to be taken seriously, even if they are means for God to work. It does not discount the pain people feel. It does not make light of the impact on people. But when, we, but when seen through the lens of Jesus, through his suffering and death, there is hope for those who are hurting. There is an empty tomb that we are able to see from atop the cross. Have you and I learned to process our experiences through that experience of Jesus? Can we take our brokenness and that of the world and place it at the foot of the cross and follow Jesus from there? That's the challenge of the disciple. That's the challenge for you and for me. But we do it knowing that there's an empty tomb which eventually allows us to have that parade, right? I said earlier that those gathered in Jerusalem for the parade of palms were, were clueless as to the rain which was about to fall on it, right? A triumphal procession was a bit premature, but we have the rest of the story before us. His death and burial giving rise to his life and the fruit of resurrection to all who believe. Yes, there will be trials and suffering in our lives, but the trials and suffering have already been redeemed by Christ for our good and his glory. We are called to trust that this is most certainly true. And because it is to that end, we can now enter Holy Week in praise we can enter Holy Week in thanksgiving, and we can enter Holy Week with the expectation that the victory has already been won. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We continue now uh, with our service uh, following page seven uh, with the Apostles' Creed and then continuing to our prayers on behalf of God's people. Just a reminder to you that if you do have prayer requests uh, to make us aware of those, but also keep us updated that if there are changes in those prayer requests so we can keep the page current. I have updated the prayers this week as well. I've added additional prayers for families and loved ones mourning the loss uh, of those to violence in Atlanta as well as in Boulder, uh, as well as for leaders uh, concerning our nation's discussion on gun violence uh, and the place of guns in our society. I've also added prayers for unaccompanied minors and the crisis at the border. Uh, for our immigration officials serving in South Texas, New Mexico, Southern uh, California, and Arizona, and for those bringing humanitarian aid and support to those in distress and need. So again, we appreciate your updates uh, so we can stay current and continue praying alongside of you. So would you bow your heads with me as uh, we make our confession of faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed and then continue with our prayers. With Christians around the world and across the ages, we make a shared confession in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we're grateful for um, Jesus going first. <laughs> for Jesus taking upon himself the sin of the world and yet stepping forth from that burial chamber to claim that he is the rightful heir to life. And in that resurrection power, remind us of what is to come for us. Even in our dying, there is that promise of rising. And so we just pray that you would continue to sustain us in our trials and suffering, continue to sustain us as we wait for you to answer our prayers, continue to sustain us and remind us of the work of Jesus on our behalf as we prepare for that victory parade soon to come. So we commend ourselves to you as individuals and as a church. Commend to you those things, Lord, that uh, we find ourselves experiencing in whatever season of faith we find ourselves in. Help us not to lose heart and hope. Or if it's springtime and life seems to be renewed, give us a voice of praise and thanksgiving. Whatever the case, whatever the case, Continue, Lord, by your spirit to well up trust within our hearts and minds. All is being done for our good and your glory. And we could ask for nothing more. We do, uh, we do come before you, though, on behalf of uh, the prayers that are listed in today's prayer page, particularly for those families 
grieving the loss of loved ones to violence in Atlanta and Boulder. Any violence, really, Lord, in our cities and communities. We continue to pray for our leaders as they seek solutions to that violence which besets our nation. We certainly continue to pray for those suffering in Alabama due to the tornado. We also continue to pray for the unaccompanied minors and the crisis at the border. Praying not only for those children, Lord, those teens that have found themselves alone, but praying for the officials and immigration uh, staff who have to deal with that. For the cities and towns and counties in Texas and California and Arizona and New Mexico. For the nonprofits, for anyone and everyone who is seeking uh, to bring about a solution, uh, Lord, we continue to pray for wisdom. We continue to pray, uh, Lord, uh, for the charitable action of our nation, for those in need. Help us as the church, Lord, uh, remember those in prayer, but also, Lord, with our deeds. And so whether it seems far away, like at the border, or perhaps local, when we have the opportunity to distribute food to those in our community, continue to make us a congregation of caring people who live their lives not for themselves, but for others, as Jesus calls us to. We certainly commend to you the names listed on today's prayer page. Lord, you know the circumstances surrounding the men and women and youth for whom we pray, whether it's physical, financial, relational, emotional, whatever the case may be, we commend them to you in their time of need as well. And pray that you would show up in their life in such a powerful way that they say uh, with the strongest of faith that you were there for them. Help them know that, Lord. Experience that in uh, remarkable, miraculous ways, if necessary. But just so that they know of your love and your grace and your mercy and power for them. Lord, everybody loves a parade. We long for that victory parade, the resurrection parade. But we know we have to wait. And so as we enter into Holy Week, be with us. As we worship Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, help uh, those actions, those words of Jesus touch our hearts and minds to better understand his work on our behalf. And then the calling on our lives. Thank you for loving us, for blessing us, and calling us to witness to the world. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We now continue with the service of the sacrament using setting four uh, for this week, found on pages 208 to 12 through the Lutheran service book. Um, it is uh, now an opportunity for you, if you've not already, uh, to grab uh, your little communion kit. Uh, and by the way, we will be having communion on Easter morning uh, together, something I look forward to uh, as a church. But nonetheless, uh, we continue with the service of the sacrament found on page eight. We begin with a preface. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Uh, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all to drink, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take and eat the body of Christ given unto death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you. Amen. Great. 
And all the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Because it's your breath. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in the lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this uh, table of grace and belonging, for this simple yet profound meal which sustains us in faith because of the power of grace within it and your power which goes forth from it. So sustain us in this week. Give us cause to rejoice and give us cause to look forward. We love you and thank you for gathering us again, whether scattered into our homes or here in the fellowship hall uniting your body, the church. In your son's name we pray, amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever, amen. We close uh, with hymn 443, Hosanna, loud Hosanna.